An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways, shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Howdy, hey, and hello there. Welcome to another episode of Weird Finance, a podcast where we try to help you feel a little less weird about money one conversation at a time. This week, I'm excited to be speaking to financial astrologer Susan Goodell. From where I view the world, economics and astrology have a lot more in common than you might think. Today, economics has a significant influence over human affairs. In ancient societies, so did astrology. Today, we use economics to understand political events and social trends. Astrology did the same throughout the medieval period in Europe, in ancient China, Egypt, Greece, and Rome. Economics is one way for human beings to have a set of mathematical rules for how to explain past behavior and to try to make complex predictions about an uncertain future. That's exactly what astrology does, too. Neither of these subjects and studies are hard sciences with absolute truths. Yet both of these things are used to give us human beings a sense of control and a sense of understanding of the world around us. I wanted to chat with financial astrologer Susan Goodell to explore and highlight the ways that we humans try to make sense of an uncertain and volatile world. It's clearly in our nature to try to predict the unpredictable. Please enjoy my conversation with Susan Goodell. Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I find your book really fascinating. I wish I would have had it available when I was just getting started in my career. I think it's a a good resource for people. Thank you so much, Susan. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen and uh, non-binary folks, I paid Susan to say that, so uh, (laughs) just, uh, just kidding. 
I wrote it because I felt the same way when I was going through financial planning courses. I was like, shouldn't there just be a plain language book that helps me understand insurance and not want to throw up on myself? So I'm glad you feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so deeply and profoundly curious about your journey because when I look at it, you know, you studied economics and you have the, you know, you took this traditional route and then at least from the outside looking in and for, for like normies, right? You took this like hard left and went full weird and went into financial astrology. So I'm curious about that. But before we jump into that, I would love to know, like, tell me about Susan. Where did you grow up? And tell me about your upbringing, how that has impacted your perspective about money. Well, um, I grew up on a farm in Northwest Illinois, a farm that I was the sixth generation to have lived on. My ancestors bought it in 1848. My sister and I are now the owners. I I went to a rural grade school, and so everybody at my grade school, same deal. We all lived on farms. But when I got to high school, what I noticed was a difference between the town kids and the farm kids. The town kids seemed to have nicer clothes, lived in nicer houses, got to buy lunch at the cafeteria, didn't have to bring their own that sort of thing. And I'm glad you asked the question because I've never really looked at it from that perspective before. But in examining it in preparation for this, what I realized is that what I got out of that was that you had to have a job in town to get everything nice that you wanted. I didn't know enough to know that there's just a difference in the way the worlds work. Um, We owned land and so had uh, substantial net worth, but cash flow was dependent upon commodity prices. Most farmers are very conservative from a cash flow perspective to prepare for the ultimate rainy day that occurs with regularity. And so that's just, you just spend differently than the people who in town who have regular jobs, um, regular paychecks. That sort of thing. But, you know, I was a kid. I didn't realize that then. The next thing was, so when I wanted to go to school, I applied for scholarships. I couldn't get any. We owned too much land, and it pissed me off. It's like, really? I could use money to go to school, and you're saying that my dad has to sell some of his land for me to do that. Selling his business so that I can go to school? That doesn't make any sense. So, anyway... Just an an examination, I think, now in retrospect of cash flow versus net worth. Yeah, wow. I think it's really interesting that you're sixth generation farmer, basically. And astrology, I feel like, gets a bad rep with, especially in the world of finance or with technical analysis, I feel like it wouldn't be taken as seriously. But when you really stop and think about it, I kind of see this relationship, right? Because with farming, there's so much that you're looking to externally, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to understand seasons and harvests and, you know, how how to irrigate and what that rainfall means for crops. And that directly translates to dollars, you know, in the bank account. So it, like astrology is ancient and so is farming. So when I really, when I pause and think about it, I think it actually makes perfect sense that you ended up where you ended up. Do, do you agree with that? Um. I didn't think of it like that uh, when I was growing up, although I, my interest in the markets did come because, particularly in high school, my mom was working in town at the time, and dad would come in for lunch every day, and my sister and I were in charge of feeding him, and 
whatever we were watching on TV, we had to turn it over to the news because um, this is in the 70s. He wanted to know what the price of corn was doing. And I was like, really, we have to change the channel on TV because you need to know how can it be different today from yesterday? Really? So we did. You know, he was interested in what the price of corn was doing every day. And I became interested in why that mattered and what would make it different every day. That's kind of how I got into studying ag econ. And then later, you know, I worked for a trade magazine that covered the commodity futures business and markets. And I wrote about market outlook and that sort of thing and talked to a lot of people who were professionals in those fields and doing a lot of good research and analysis. I was trying to figure out, okay, what does make the price of corn move? <laughs> well, and now it's astrology. I'm completely convinced that markets are like people and they respond to transits and planets in the sky just like we do. Absolutely convinced. Before we dig into that, let's do a little bit of key terms because I think a lot of normies are probably listening and they're like, what is commodity futures? So do you mind just taking a step back and kind of explain it to me like I'm five years old, if, if, you, if you think you can try? Sure. Well, commodities are typically physical things, things that are grown in the ground, things that are alive and we eat later. The commodity futures markets began in Chicago in the mid-1800s as a way to uh, for farmers in the Midwest to bring wheat, corn, oats to Chicago and get it sold. And so the roots are in the grain markets. And in New York, uh, it was in metals, gold, silver, copper, aluminum, that sort of thing. So there's commodities typically are the, the very base underlying thing that supports all economic activity on top of it. My dad grew corn, but we eat cornflakes. And how did it get from my dad's field into the box of cereal on your shelf? Right. Basic underlying goods that are needed to make other things. They're the building blocks of modern consumption, yeah. basically. Yeah. And then did you ever figure out or like, uh, why does the price of corn matter to your father every day? I'm curious. Well, because it can have a range, you know, you grow X number of bushels a year times the price that you sell it at, which can be in a, the range of 50 cents to a dollar in his time. And so just for math's sake, say you've got 10,000 bushels and you sell it for $3 a bushel, you've made $30,000. If you sell it for $5 a bushel, you've made 50000 So wow, where you are in that. That's a crazy way to live, Susan. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I can't, I'm just trying to imagine if I woke up, you know, every day and was working on my business and there was like a differential, you know, like today when I work on my business, I might make $1,000 or I may make $4,000. And that's just how it is. That's a crazy way to live. Now talking to you, I understand why looking to astrology feels natural because it's like so much is outside of your control right? So at least you can for sure look to something to guide you. Well, and it's guidance more than absolute. You know, it's still right. using astrology to look at the markets, I think is just yet another technical trading tool that there's hundreds of them that traders use to try and figure out where the markets are going to go next. And 
when to buy, when to sell. And I just think astrology is yet one more, although I think a really good one in terms of timing. And those are few and far between in the technical analysis world. Cool. So would you mind just giving us a bit of financial astrology 101? Like, what is it? And do you have any examples of how regular people who are not, you know, buying and selling futures contracts, how they can think about it? Mm -hmm. Financial astrology actually is pretty broad. I think most people think of it as a technique to forecast market prices. But really, I see it. I, I, I also include career decisions, investment decisions, macroeconomic outlook, that sort of thing. And so financial astrology, I think, covers all aspects of one's financial life, although the most prominent and interesting probably is the market outlook, trying to figure out where prices are going to go. You still have to be a good trader to take advantage of it. <laughs> so you still have to know the technical stuff, is yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. In general, if you can come from the place of saying, I understand astrology from my personal perspective because I get that my natal horoscope is the snapshot of when I was born and it has influence and information for me throughout my life. The same thing is true for markets. If you can get a good date and time of when that market first started trading, that's like its natal horoscope. And it too responds to planets in the sky that come along and, you know, click off its um, planets like a little watch, watch things going around, just like ours. So I think the markets are people too. Uh, if you can, wow. but the key is being able to get the first trade date and first trade time, which is much easier to do on the stock side of the world than on the commodity side of the world. Got it. So can I just repeat this back to you to make sure I'm understanding it correctly? When you're looking at a stock, you're looking at like, okay, what's a good example to use? Microsoft. So the day that Microsoft goes public, right, that they have their initial public offering and the, the, the moment that it starts trading on, I don't know where it started trading on, the New York Stock Exchange, yep. that's the minute that Microsoft is like born? Yes, that the stock and is born. Got There's it different charts that you look at for incorporation. Wow. And those have an interplay, correct? Yes. And I see them akin to the incorporation horoscopes as being representative and indicative of fundamental factors. And the hmm. stock chart, the first trade chart, is more the technical indicators. You know, like when you're in, you know, the fundamental analysis, technical analysis, I look at them kind of that way. Things about what could happen to the company, um, I think you see more in the incorporation chart. Mergers, acquisitions, new, um, um, new CEOs, things like that. But what the price Would you mind is just... in the stock chart, is in the first trade chart. Got it. Okay, so technical analysis is kind of like what the stock price is doing. Mm -hmm. And fundamental analysis, would you mind giving us the definition of that? Um, fundamental analysis is the supply-demand factors. Okay. Go into, from certainly from the commodity perspective, supply-demand. How much corn is there? How much demand for corn is there? Those are Got fundamental it. factors that have really nothing to do with the price on a granular level. Got it. On the stock side, fundamentals are 
how much uh, valuation do they have? What kind of business are they in? Who runs it? What are their quarterly earnings? Stuff like that. Fundamentals. Uh, the Okay. Thanks, Susan. Uh, tell me how I, so I'm starting to get a sense of how you work with somebody or how you work in the financial astrology space. So do you have like clients who are investors that go to you and you say, and they say, Hey, Susan, let's just keep going with Microsoft. And they say, I want to buy Microsoft stock. What do you think? And do you look at their chart, the Microsoft incorporation chart and like the stocks chart to help answer these questions? Is that something you do? Yeah, actually. And it's um, probably one of the features that my clients like the best. Huh. Once again, I think you and the market have a relationship, just like you have a relationship with anyone else in your life. I think you're naturally attracted to some markets versus others. And I think there's astrological reasons for that. And so, for example, if someone was interested in trading Microsoft, um, I look at the first trade chart, then I do a buy wheel, which is I, I compare the two charts in one picture. The market is always in the middle and the person is always on the outside because I want to see how the person connects to the market. The market doesn't need to connect to you. It doesn't care. <laughs> the market cares about you, not one iota. So it doesn't matter how the market connects to you. What matters is how you connect to the market. What's interesting is that most people, I, I always ask them for a list because, you know, there's a zillion different markets they could be interested in, right? What's interesting is that most people are attracted to things that they do have a connection with in the stock's horoscope or the, the market's horoscope. And the strongest ones are when you see the sun and moon in both charts in play in some way, meaning that you have connection with the market on how it works, as well as how people trade it and how it moves because of people's emotions. Wow. I would have never thought about my relationship to the market in this way, especially, you know, it being like written in the stars, so to speak. It's fascinating. This is not a new concept. I started doing it because I was studying the work of W.D. Gann, who was a famous trader 100 years ago in New York. His methods are based in astrology and other occult, esoteric kinds of efforts. And it's clear in his writing that he had favorite stocks. And so I like found out the first trade for these stocks. And his chart was really tight with them. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is a thing to do. So. Wow. So when you started to make the shift or when you did make the shift from, you know, being this person externally and outwardly who was doing normal financial professional financial services work to shifting to astrology, what was that like? Like, what was that like with your colleagues? And what was that like with your family? Was it well-received Maybe you were having these conversations, so it wasn't a surprise. Like, what was that journey like? Well, I'd always kind of been interested in astrology, and so my family wasn't really freaked by it. <laughs> but just kind of a passing kind of way. But I was self-employed once and working with a friend of mine in New York, and we both wanted to start a new website. This was really early on in the, like, in 95, maybe. 
And I happened to see an article in Chicago Magazine about an astrologer in Chicago who helped businesses pick times to launch new projects. <sighs> and so I went to see her and she picked a time for us to launch our website. And wow. ultimately I sold that URL for a pretty good sum of money. So I thought, well, this must have some legs to it. And so I started seeing this woman regularly and she's the one who ultimately encouraged me to study it more. Uh, so I went to a conference, was blown away and then just really kicked it off. But in my day job, I was, I was the marketing director at a brokerage firm. And so I was in charge of the website and, um, Wow. My project manager and I were in on it. She knew I was watching Mercury retrograde for when to launch a site or not. Like, don't launch a site when Mercury is retrograde. Just don't. Too many things can go wrong. And so we had timelines set out to make sure that we hit our dates that I wanted to make sure we hit. And ultimately, we clued my boss in and he was cool with it. <laughs> wow. So just like that. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. 
OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. Jane! Oh, Janie! I need you to help me with my bank app again. Hey, Grandma, what's going on? You sound upset. Well, I just received a call from the bank. They said there was suspicious activity on my account and warned me that I needed to transfer all my money to a safe account. I need to act quickly. Can you help me, Janie? That sounds like a scam, Grandma. You should never transfer all your money to an unknown account. Call your bank directly via the number on the back of your debit card and ask them if there's really any suspicious activity on your account. Or I can pick you up and we can drive to the bank together. Oh, I didn't think of that. Thank you for the advice. It's always important to be aware of financial scams and how to protect yourself. If you're ever unsure about a phone call or email, don't hesitate to ask for help or advice from someone you trust, like me. I'll definitely be more careful in the future. Thank you for looking out for me. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Weird Finance. Weird Finance. So I have to, maybe we'll do a fact check at the end of this episode, but there's a quote that goes around. I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's attributed to JP Morgan. Something on, along the lines of millionaires don't hire astrologists, billionaires do. Being on the inside, being a financial astrologer, is, is there truth to that? Do you have a lot of people who maybe on the outside, it seems like, oh, that person is super wealthy and super smart and you know, they're really like bought into the technical side of things when it comes to finance, they would never have an astrologer. Do you see that? Is that, is that a, is there any weight to that quote? I think there is, although I've never been able to find it exactly. So I'm not sure that it's real or if it was his, but for sure, JP Morgan very, very likely was the client of a famous astrologer in New York, Evangeline Adams at the turn of the last century. And so it's possible that he said that and had astrological advice on a regular basis. And I suspect that more traders use astrology than let on. Hmm. How could you not? I mean, traders want every advantage and edge that they possibly can get. They, I don't think they really care how weird it is. If they can make more money <laughs> doing it, they'll do it. Now, I don't yeah. know who they are. They aren't my clients. <laughs> Got it. But I suspect there's more people using financial astrology than we are aware of. Hmm. All right, Susan. So I heard you talking about this subject and I really want to get your take on it. I really want you to tell the audience about it. I heard you talking about 
the air economy and how that's the thing we're in now, we're moving towards. Can you tell us a little bit about all that? Sure. I think it's the biggest thing that any of us will ever live through astrologically. Wow. And here's why. Jupiter and Saturn are the two planets um, associated with the business cycle, and they make conjunction. They come together in the same degree, same sign every 20 years. And then they separate, and they're separated by 90 degrees, then 180, 90, and then back to conjunction again over a period of 20 years. So Jupiter is about expansion, Saturn is about contraction, which is why it's associated with the business cycle. Jupiter and Saturn have been making conjunctions in Earth signs since the mid-1800s. And so being in charge of the business cycle and the economy, it meant that things of Earth had value in our economy. So physical stuff, things that came out of the ground, commodities, crude oil, gold, stuff like that, money even, although it doesn't come out of the ground. Hmm. But physical money, that stuff had value. On the winter solstice, which also is really interesting, of uh, December 2020, Jupiter and Saturn made a conjunction in Aquarius and will now make conjunctions in air signs for 200 years. So we have, as of December 2020, it was official that we have moved into an economy that I call the air economy, where things of air will be valued in our economy. Ideas, intellectual property, artificial intelligence, air itself, global community, fairness, equality. Those things are what will have value. And we'll see that reflected in the kinds of companies that do well in the stock market. Uh, it will be um, the trend for the kinds of companies that will be just coming up, new ideas that come up, and what will be supported economically while the old earth things are away. We're, we're witnessing right now this shift from earth to air. And if we were in a, I tried to figure out if we were in a baseball game, how far along we'd be. And I think the first person, first guy is at bat, and there's maybe been two pitches thrown out of a nine inning game. Wow. I mean, we're way, 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 way early. But we had a little preview of what this air economy is going to be like due to the way the planets shift. Right before they make this big 200-year shift, they do a little preview 40 years ahead of time. And Jupiter and Saturn mm -hmm. were conjunct in Libra in 1980 and then went back to Earth in 2000. So 1980 to 2000, Internet, home computers, cell phones, online trading. All happened in those 20 years when Jupiter and Saturn had made a conjunction in air. So I think that's the little preview of what we can expect for the rest of our lives. All of us on the planet. Wow. And maybe another life or two is that. And so what we perceive as, you know, big advances in technology in that time period, really we're just, we'll look back on it and go, oh my God, how primitive. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the way we use the internet. I mean, can you even imagine to not have the internet now? 
I mean, it's impossible. No, I mean, look at us. We're talking because of the internet. It's yeah, incredible. It's incredible. It'll be nothing. I don't know how it's going to shape up, but you have to remember that the, the Mosaic browser was the first one that, you know, where we could see the internet like we see it now, uh, browser-based control. That didn't start until 1993. It's only had its first Saturn return this year. So it, the internet wow. as we know it is just becoming an adult. Right. It has easily another 30 years of growth and productivity shift. I don't know what it's going to happen, but I think it's really exciting. And I think it's essential for, for all of us to know because what do you want to major in in college? Who do you want to work for? Uh, what kind of work are you interested in doing? I think being aligned with the values of, of air are the answers to all of those questions. Do you want to work for a fossil fuel company? Probably not. Unless they're making big advances toward air and solar. You know, just to have, just to have that in your consciousness, to say, I need to have my financial life aligned with what the universe is telling me is important for the rest of my life. I think could just make a big difference in people's lives. Thank you for sharing this valuable nugget with us, Susan. You're very welcome. I hope it, I hope it helps. And you're, you were already talking in your book about making money with intellectual property. That's an air economy thing. Speaking on the air like this, that's an air economy thing. So you're already doing it. Wow. Well, I like hearing you talk about it because it confirms this path that I'm on that I, you know, some of it is intentional, but a lot of it is just like, oh, the internet's here and, you know, let's make a podcast. And, and I've been selling ideas, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, like, you know, 15 year old Paco is like, her mind is blown because she doesn't even know that, you know, 37 year old Paco just grows up and talks for a living and right <laughs> thinks for a living and shares those things on the internet for a living is that's wild to me. But, you know, hearing you talk about the air economy and explaining it so beautifully the way you did, it's like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. Watching all these young kids pop onto TikTok and change their financial lives. You know, they just start filming themselves. And the next thing you know, a year later, they're like, this is how I make $15,000 a month being an influencer. It's just wow. insanity. And that blows me away. Because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. This has been a wonderful conversation, Susan. So I was wondering, you know, one of the other things that you do in addition to speaking and taking on clients is you publish Red Letter Days, which is your newsletter. So would you mind just telling us a little bit about that and what readers would expect from your newsletter? Sure. I started my newsletter, Red Letter Trading Days, in 2013 as a way to help. I, I was still learning astrology and how to put everything together at the time. And I wanted a way for me to pay attention. <laughs> and so as a writer, my core skill set is as a writer. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to write a newsletter. And so I pay attention and see what's happening in the markets. But my real goal was, and I picked red letter trading day from the old time calendars, you know, where holidays and Sundays were in red letters, like they're special days. And 
I wanted people just to understand what's happening big picture wise in astrology that could have an effect on the markets because markets move because people have emotions and people's emotions hmm. are affected by the planets. This is my belief. So I wanted people just to be aware there's a full moon, there's uh, planets changing signs and the energy shifts. Uh, Mercury's turning retrograde, Jupiter's turning direct, things like that could have a shift on all of us in terms of how we react to what is going on in the marketplace. And so it started very simply as just a, hey, this is what's up today and transits for the day and that sort of thing and, and how that might play out. I've since added market outlook on the eight markets that I watch regularly with transits to their first trade charts, as well as price outlook based on converting the first trade horoscope into price, which sounds more complicated than it is. But if you have a spreadsheet, it's easy. <laughs> okay. I'll trust you on that one. Yeah. Do you talk about like the market in general ever with these economic updates, just a general market outlook? Um, yeah, I do. And, and in particular, I, you know, even though I uh, am a commodities person at heart, with the advent of stock index futures, really stocks became a commodity to those of us in that side of the business. And so I watch the S&P regularly. I've done a lot of research work on the Dow Jones Industrial Average because it started in 1896 just a few months before Saturn-Uranus conjunction in 1897. And Saturn-Uranus is a 45-year economic cycle. And the way Saturn-Uranus behaves and the way the Dow goes up and down, very connected. We're in the third cycle since uh, the Dow started in 1896, and it has followed along the previous two pretty closely. We're at the, the final 25% of that 45-year cycle right now. Um, heading toward a new conjunction in 2032. And typically what happens in this last 25% is that the market makes a top, uh, which I think we hit in January of this year, and it corrects into the Saturn sextile Uranus, which will be in 25, 26, and then rallies I think it'll rally into 2030 when Saturn and Jupiter Uranus make oppositions in the same year, both of which are typical at highs. Broad, big picture, I think we're at a high right now in the stock, U.S. stock market. We'll correct into 25, 26, rally wow. into 2030, and then come back down into a new low in 2032. Amazing. What about like general economic outlook? Are you able to... Give us any information on that. I have looked at at the urging of a real live PhD economist friend of mine uh, <laughs> who does amazing economic analysis. I've looked at what planets are associated with uh, recession expansion and mainly Jupiter and Saturn connecting, making, making um, aspects to Neptune, uh, not so much Uranus, Neptune and Pluto. And so I watched those, and those are interesting. There was um, hard aspects typically indicate recession, and Jupiter and Neptune were conjunct earlier this year, and I thought, well, maybe that's a recession at the beginning of this year. It hasn't been. It's been more about Jupiter expanding Neptune, which represents inflation, 
the other macro thing that will be coming up is that Neptune will be moving into a fire sign, Aries, in 2025. Okay. And typically inflation peaks when Neptune hits nine degrees of fire, which will be in 2030 also. So I think we're we're still not out of the inflation woods. And by the end of the decade, what we're seeing now will look like, oh, gosh, I wish we only had 7% inflation. Oh, no, Susan. Sorry. I don't like that. <laughs> but you know what? It's okay. We, I'm glad to know now, right? I'll manage my expectations yeah. about what the future holds. And uh, it's better to know than not know, right? That's what I think. And, you know... <laughs> And I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I like that disclaimer. Uh, this has been amazing and very educational. And I want to thank you for coming on here. And I I didn't ask you about this in advance. So I apologize for springing this on you. But can I ask you a few rapid fire questions? We'll just see how it goes. Okay. Is there anything that you've purchased like in the last, it could be whatever timeline you want, where you really felt like, that was really good money well spent and, you know, that you would like to share with us. I got two new computers within the last year. Nice. One, a Mac that I use all the time and one, a PC that my astrology software runs on and had an HDMI port for when I was speaking at a conference this uh, last summer. <laughs> so both of them have made my life easier. It's nice to have up-to-date equipment and things that I can trust. Love it. Can you tell me one piece of financial advice that you'd give to your younger self? Save earlier. Suck it up and don't convince yourself that you don't have enough money to put in a savings account. Even 10%. Just uh, get used to the pain, right? Yeah. I, but, you know, I was living in Chicago, life in the big city. I was having lots of fun. I, it was It's expensive to live here. I, um, I was a journalist. I wasn't making a lot of money. Um, Good advice. I'm curious about this one. Did you have any financial superstitions growing up? Like, did your parents ever or your grandparents ever like say things to you that were just so weird? Like weird. One example for me is my grandma, when I would scratch my, the palm of my hand, she would always go, oh, that means money's coming to you. You should buy a lotto ticket or something like that. Anything weird like that? No, sorry. Not, nothing. All right. Awesome. No worries. I mean, it's already weird enough that you're a financial astrologer. So yeah, it is with all respect, you know. No, no, I get it. <laughs> I'm on the fringe. Okay. Of great, great. Yeah. The financial services world. My last rapid fire question is: Do you have any past financial fumbles that you can look back and laugh at because they're so ridiculous? Like, for example, there was one semester of college where I just put my tuition on a credit card. Like, I couldn't figure it out, and I was like, you know what? It's state school. It's not that gnarly. And I just put it on a credit card. And I look back, I'm like, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> on different occasions, I did stupid things like buy myself a present in anticipation of getting a bonus that never came. That's rough. Yeah. And then the present haunts you, right? It's just a reminder of the bonus you didn't get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, sharing your knowledge, sharing your skills and your insight and your wisdom. It's been wonderful. Where can the folks on the internet find you? My name, SusanGidell.com, S-U-S-A-N-G-I-D-E-L.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you.
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. We're And now it's time to ask Paco anything. Welcome to Ask Paco, a segment where I answer your money questions. Let's listen to this week's question. Hey Paco, love the show. First time caller, long time listener here. And I just had a really quick question for you. I recently turned 45 and I'm really afraid of my financial future being able to retire when I need to. I used to have a Roth IRA that I still have, but I haven't contributed into a while. Is it 
probably best to start contributing to that. Or do you have any other recommendations that someone at my age of where I can really get the, the bang for my buck as far as savings or investing is concerned? Thank you so much. Well, the saying is the best time to start saving for retirement was 20 years ago and that the second best time is today. So I recommend that you start saving today and I do not think that it's too late. Of course, it's not ideal, but you definitely still have time. If all goes according to plan, retirement is like 20 years away for you. If you do have access to an employer-sponsored retirement plan like a 401k, I cannot encourage you enough to use that vehicle and contribute as much as you can afford to. If you can afford to max it out, I really think that's going to be your best bet. The amount that you can legally contribute to a 401k is much higher than what you can contribute to the Roth IRA, which is why I am suggesting that. If you don't have a 401k plan that you have access to, or maybe you work for yourself, maybe your employer doesn't offer one, there are other vehicles that you can use to invest. You can invest outside of a retirement account, like a regular brokerage account, which is like a retirement account in the sense that it allows you to invest your money, but it doesn't have the tax benefits that a retirement account has. Lastly, it's important to realize that when you turn 50, you'll actually be able to contribute more to your IRA. There is a special provision where folks who are 50 and older, they're allowed to contribute more money as a catch-up is what they call it. So let's just use an example. Like if you're 50 this year and the maximum amount that you can contribute here in 2023 is 6,500, if you're 50 years old, you can legally contribute an additional $1,000 as a catch-up amount. So I would also take advantage of that. You know, there is one challenging reality that you are going to face, and that is the reality that you're probably going to need to invest more than what you're legally allowed to invest in your Roth IRA in order to have enough money for retirement. So that means not only are you going to have to find a different vehicle, but it also means you're contributing probably a large amount, a significant amount of your income. Prior recommendations for saving for retirement were 10% over 40 years, you're gonna be looking at probably around 30%. And that might seem overwhelming and you might feel defeated hearing that number, but it's really important to just start where you are. Start saving, start investing now, get used to the pain and get into the habit. And that's something that you can increase over time. So I wanna wish you the best of luck. And I want to say that, again, just start where you are. And it's really unsexy, but consistency has been one of the most important things in my life. Just showing up and putting in a little bit of effort over time really does go a long way. And I feel like because it's such a boring, unsexy thing to talk about that it doesn't get, consistency doesn't get a lot of love. But just start where you are, be consistent, and the best of luck to you. Thank you so much for calling in. Take care now. If you have a question you want me to answer, please call our hotline at 833-ASK-PACO or you can email us at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. Thank you. Once again, we're at the end of another episode of Weird Finance, which is an iHeartMedia production and would not be possible without the help of many wonderful, caring, hardworking, 
talented folks like my producer, Ramsey Yunt. He produced, edited, did some sound design, and even sang a little bit. Thank you to our anonymous caller for submitting their question for the Ask Paco Anything segment. To Gabe Senna and Jenna Parker, thank you for lending your voices for our special PSA. Our theme song was written and performed by me and my dear, dear friends, Jenna Parker and Andrew Parker. If you have comments, questions, suggestions, you uh, want to be part of the show, you can give us a call at 833-ASK-PACO. That's 833-A-S-K-P-A-C-O. Or you can send us an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. All right, that's it. We'll catch you here next week. In the meantime, take care. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.